Blog Talk Radio. everybody, welcome to Winchester Radio this evening, or whenever you are listening to us. We very much appreciate it, always. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about the Supernatural episode Blade Runners, plural. Uh, a little tip of the hat to the movie Blade Runner with Harrison Ford, maybe. Um, thanks for listening. I think we can just get started. There's no guest tonight. Uh, joining us, so um, if you would like to, if you have some thoughts or theories or questions about this episode, please uh, give us a call, and uh, that number is 347-205-9801. I'm Susan, Becky, and Vinny are here as well, and we're going to talk about this episode, which it was written by Brad Buckner, and Eugene Ross Fleming, and I can safely say this is the first episode they've written that I can say I truly like. I really enjoyed. Yes. It moved right along. I I don't even know what to say about how much how how much it's different than the last episode for me. Well, and, I'm happy. You know, and you know, we skipped last uh, last episode for various reasons. Um, and one of them, you know, yeah, one of them we 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 put Jensen uh, uh, instead of, which you know that's fine, that's good. But also <laughs> we kind of, you know, the, you know, the three of us collectively went, eh, not really, don't care. And to be mm. perfectly honest, I watched la- I watched the previous episode once. I didn't really pay attention to it. I played on my phone through most of it. I just was not engaged, I didn't care, it really irritated me that I didn't care and I wasn't engaged because I actually really love the growth spacers and I was excited to have them come back and the episode was just, oh God, I didn't care. And then having this episode penned by these writers, I went in with such low expectations. I was like, mm, whatever. And I kind of want to say that it blew me away. So, and... It brought my excitement back because my excitement with this season is really meander- it, it meanders around. Like one episode I'm really stoked and two episodes I could care less. And then, you know, it's just the momentum is really strange this season. So for them to come out with such a strong episode mm-hmm. was very pleasing. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind I, of weird. Yeah. I mean, when... Andrew Dabb and Dan Lawson uh, first started writing. I didn't care for their writing, and after a while, they finally, I guess, got into the rhythm of the show and the characters. And Likewise, greatly, greatly improved. So maybe, maybe it's just taken a little bit of time for these two, these two writers. Um, um, and, and I agree with you. I, I felt the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, back and, to Thin Man, extremely briefly. I, um, it was, you know what, um, I'm not a huge fan of the Ghost Facers. I, I love Travis and AJ. I've seen them at cons, and they're just wonderful, great guys, uh, very funny and, and AJ, smart. AJ has been kicking ass on Justified this season. He's been awesome on there, too. 
Yeah. I, I think he's just terrific, but I'm not a huge fan of the Ghost Facers. So not only did the episode have the Ghost Facers, but, you know, I, I, I didn't watch the episode till like, a few few days later, and mm-hmm. I've been warned, so I, I put on my hard hat so the anvils falling <laughs> wouldn't hurt me. <laughs> and Dude, I'm telling you, we could all... Okay. Yeah, we all need to consult a doctor because there are head wounds, possible brain we damage. Feel like, we feel like Sam Winchester. Yeah, exactly. Clock on the head fairly often, but but I thought about it, and I don't know, maybe it was the effect of the anvil hitting me too often. But I thought, you know what, Sam and Dean have been so they just haven't really dealt with anything going on with them. Maybe it takes a few anvils. Well, okay, the anvils kind can of hit them. Fire to do something. What's that? Yeah, the anvils can the anvils can hit them. That's fine. Clearly, Sam Sam's head can take a beating. So that's whatever. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I get it. So stop hitting me. That's uh-huh. Now I know. Now conversely, in this episode, there was another bit of like foreshadowing or hint or actually a couple of things and I thought it was it was right there but it was not as in your face obvious well to make it a giant running theme to the whole episode and let's keep repeating it just in case you got it for snacks the first six times we mentioned it at the beginning Sam was researching Cain and Abel so that's the direction is that a foreshadowing is he more more into being concerned about his brother than he lets on. Um, and there's little hints of that as as the episode went on with yeah. him. So I thought there's, there's something fairly obvious. There's a foreshadowing for what's coming later, Cain and Abel. Not the mark of Cain, Cain and Abel, the first brothers. But they didn't make a big deal out of it. Sam was just researching. Dean comes in, Colin Crowley, and we go from there. And this talking about um, Sam putting in interest in Dean, this whole episode felt like there was no problem with them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. They they were acting like their old selves before the whole big fussing and fighting. And if you you know, if you hadn't known that they had been fighting in the previous episodes, you wouldn't have known it in this one. Well you mm-hmm. had I both say, you know, you have Dean say, What did you do with my brother? And then you have Sam come in and say, Take me to my brother mm-hmm. which was really interesting to me. And it felt like when I'm gonna to steal from my mother, what she said is they finally gave me Sam and Dean working together again, plus Crowley, I'm fine. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. This felt like, yeah. I mean, it felt like an older episode, and it also even looked like it when they were in the woods, you know, with the Impala yes. there in the woods and everything. Mm-hmm. It looked so much like a season one or season two episode, and it, I, I just really, really liked the whole feel of the whole episode. Yeah. yeah, and it was just gorgeous, too. I mean, in the scenes in the in the park with the dealer and Crowley, and then later on, at night when Crowley and Sam are researching, trying to get into the mansion. I mean, that's just gorgeously lit and so beautiful. And that, that probably has, you know, we can thank Serge Ludissier for that because he is normally the, the mm-hmm. director of photography, you know, he's the photography mm-hmm. lighting and everything. And then he directed this episode. So 
Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. you could really tell that he, yeah. used, he used his unique eye with that because yeah. the, way, the way the hotel room with Crowley is lit, gorgeous. The set, the set is gorgeous mm-hmm. as well. The uh, Sinclair's house, that was all fantastic. Uh, the way the dungeon is lit when Crowley's uh, chained up again and Sam's researching, all of it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, I had, we'll get it out of the way, I had a few quibbles with certain things, but they were super minor. Um, I think it was a little overly convenient that the box that Dean needed with all the information on Sinclair was right by him as soon as Crowley mentioned, oh, there's a rogue uh, men of letters. Oh, look at this box. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, that was a little, hmm, hmm, hmm. Well, uh, welcome to television. At least go, ooh, I think maybe I saw something like this. Let me go run to the, one of the other 5,000 rooms we have. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I think that was, that's probably, that's actually probably my only real quibble was that was a little eye-rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I thought, uh whether this was in the script or later it was something Surge decided, I don't know, but the use of heroin by Velvet Underground during crowded scenes could have been painfully on the nose and cliche, and it wasn't. It was fantastic. Yeah. I love that. It was amazing. It could have gone so badly, and yet it was perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. So so speaking of quibbles, it's a a a peeve of mine, and it's not just this episode. When Crowley's injecting the blood into his arm, and it's not just like his character that has done this. Oh, I know what you're gonna say. Yeah. Oh, I stab the needle straight, and I'm like, dear God, if you're going in someone's vein, it has to angle. It has to be almost parallel with your arm. You just stab the needle right on through. Yeah, that's an ah. Right there with you. I had forgotten about that. That was that was one of my other ones. And also, I guess that they kind of explained it, but it was still like really, really that last syringe of blood. It was was the difference between consciousness and unconsciousness for this guy tied up in the closet, more or less in shock. Really, that one half syringe of blood did it. <laughs> okay. Uh, like I would have rather him just be unconscious the whole time and like maybe her, like, nudge him and him groan or something to show that he's alive. I think that, mm-hmm. that would have worked out. That would have worked much better than me rather than, you know, speaking, that, that speaking last of, pain just tipped him over. Speaking of her, Lola, I loved her. She was an amazing demon. I wish they hadn't, yeah. I wish Kelly hadn't killed her off. I thought she was awesome. Yeah. She was way better than... Uh, more of her. I liked her better than, oh, God, what was the other one's name, the one she met, started with an A. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. right. Endo, Aldo, Endo, Aldo, something like Aldo. that. Aldo. Yeah. Okay. She was better than yeah. me. Uh, and clearly more memorable. Uh, but she kind of was, sorry, kind of things that we missed. And she was hot. She was hot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Super hot. Oh, her, yeah, her, I covered her boots. Her boots. Oh, oh, her boots and her hair. Good hair. Beautiful hair. 
So clearly, you know, we're shallow, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> we never pretended we weren't. Um, yeah, that's just, that's just true. <laughs> I will say that for me, um, I have such mixed feelings about what Crowley's going through. Because on one hand, I think Mark Shepard is doing a fantastic job with it. But, you know, what doesn't Mark Shepard do a fantastic job with? So, Right, um, right. But I really, how do I put it? If he's, if it's the feelings that he's getting the high off of, Human emotion isn't just weepiness over movies and the sudden desire to read Little Women and wanting chocolate bars. Like, there's so many other facets of human emotion, and they're, I don't know, it's, it's weird to me. The whole, mm-hmm. I, the whole trying to reach up into the vending machine, like, I don't, I don't quite get it, but okay. <laughs> I kind of thought that they were kind of maybe going for a parallel between Crowley being, a, you know, being addicted to the human blood, and he's been doing it for a while now, so we're seeing the later stages, to Dean getting possibly addicted to the feeling with the first blade. No, yeah, I totally get that. I just wish that they were exploring mm-hmm. different facets of human emotion. Uh-huh, gotcha, mm-hmm. okay like the, a wider mm-hmm. range versus just, like, the soppiness of being a human and crying over mm-hmm. Hallmark commercials and stuff like that. <laughs> well, some of the emotions... Yeah. I would like to see him a little more manic at times. He has them already as the king of hell, so why go, why go to anger because... Well, but I would like to see him a little more as, manic. As king of hell. So, sorry? Yeah, maybe a little more manic, like, wanting to, like, just watch a really cheesy comedy instead of Casablanca or both. Just you know, I don't I don't right. like the idea that emotion equals sadness. And mm. um, it's not like this huge thing I have against, but I just would like to see a differential. Um, yeah, I was enjoying I him. I was enjoying him trying to get like Sam's approval and trying to bond with Sam. Yes. Uh, yeah, and I'm yeah. curious. I'm curious as to what point. Was that still the side effects, or had it already become where he was playing them? Mm. I'm curious. I was that's a really hard thing to differentiate. That's a really hard thing to differentiate with Crowley. Like, at what point are you being sincere, and at what point are you being manipulative? Mm -hmm. I was, I because like when he was helping Sam um, get the ingredients for the magic spell, and he's saying, "I did good, Moose, right?" You know, Mm -hmm. asking for his approval. And the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, that, that's, that's kind of mm-hmm. thinking that the king of hell mm-hmm. is begging for Sam's approval. But then the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, but was he faking him out at exactly. this point? Exactly. You know? 100% the same. The first time I watched it, I was like, well, Crowley. Yeah. And then the second time I was like, you manipulative bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Mark Shepard's um, laughing and saying, my work here is done. <laughs> and I like, <laughs> I oh, like that's true. Um, Mark Shepard is probably the most frustrating person to interview ever. He's so good mm. that you just want to bang your head against the wall. 
because and Misha's Misha's a close second. I will say Misha's a close second place on this. But Mark Shepard will just make you question everything you ever knew about words ever. <laughs> so yeah, I do feel like a part of that is a part of that is Mark just laughing at everybody all the time. <laughs> but um yeah, you cannot crack that man. It's kind of fascinating. Um but I like the running theme of, of distrust in the episode. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was really well done thematically. You have the fact that Crowley can't trust Lola, uh, the implication that Lola's not good enough for Abaddon to see herself, even though we know that it's because Aldo's betraying Lola. And then you have Sam and Dean betraying Crowley, but then you have Crowley be portraying Sam and Dean. So that was very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a couple callers. One of them has been waiting several minutes, so um, I feel like we should put them on and see if they have questions or comments. Um, hello, caller. You're on the air. Hello. Hello. Hello, are you there? Hi. I guess not. <laughs> Area code 618, are you there? Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't understand if you guys were talking to me or not. How are you guys doing now? Oh, okay. <laughs> doing good. How are well, you? I, I, I'm, doing, um, I'm, doing pretty, I'm doing pretty good tonight, I guess. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up was why all of a sudden did the storyline become Crowley's addiction to human blood? Where did that come from? I understand the the like the finale of last season. You know they were trying to you know they were trying to purify him, but I, I didn't understand where his addiction came from. I think it's just based on the whole idea of an emotional rush for some someone that's been fairly unemotional, you know, or callous the whole time to actually have feelings about something. And we have it, you know, when he steals the syringe of blood earlier in the season. So there, there was foreshadowing for it. Yeah. I understand that. It, it was just a shock. All of a sudden it just came up in the storyline, you know. With, like, the Mark of Cain, like, that's a big, that's big with Dean's new attitude change and everything. It's just like, wow. <laughs> you know? I do. I think this was, um, you know, because Crowley has been chained up in the basement for most of the season, and when Dean let him out to go on this search for the blade, was his first time out. So, you know, this was his finally his first time to actually go out there and, you know, go for the go for the human blood and get as much as he wanted. And I, so, I think this was the first chance he got to really experiment really, as much with it. Yeah. And for me, really I, saw, I saw it more of a, you know, he went looking for the blade, he couldn't find the blade, and it was kind of like a a rock bottom kind of thing. Like, you know, I, I can't, I screwed this up, I can't do what I need to do. This is what I, and I might as well just, you know, the equivalent of everything sucks, I might as well get drunk. Uh-huh, <laughs> Yeah. Typical Crowley, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and, and typical addict. So, okay. so that's where I just, that's where I gathered it from. It, it, and I yeah. will agree with you. It's a little it's a little odd for it to be such a focus 
but just all of a sudden, bam! Which, like, this last episode was fantastic, though. I mean, it was, you know, it actually brought back like like the old seasons in my eyes a little mm-hmm. bit. Yes, yes, I completely agree. Okay, one last like no, not like one last question. Like this is very as a famous question for almost everybody who goes on the air. Who would you like to see come back in this season? Oh, let's see. Oh, that's a good question. Who would come back this season? Who would be a good one that would be able to? Well, mine, of course, my go-to comeback is Bobby. Yep. <laughs> I always want Bobby back. So. Yep, that old redneck. <laughs> that's right. And, you know, this is a good point to mention that I am trying to bring him back. I have a on Winchester Bros, if you go to our website, I've got an address there to send a letter to Jeremy Carver and bring Bobby back. We want Jim Beaver back. So if you're listening, you haven't written in a letter yet, and you want to bring Bobby back, go to our site and get that address, and let's try and bring Bobby back. So that's my there's my plug for the night. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is super predictable, Meg. Meg is always Meg for me. Meg. <laughs> also Meg. And if they can possibly work it in, I'd like to see Meg come back. <laughs> well, wasn't Meg in the last episode where the uh, angel tablet was found? Yes. Yeah. That was her last yeah. episode, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. A, uh, Goodbye Changer 817, which is uh, still, still a sore spot for me. Still a sore spot. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see Gabriel the Trickster come back. Because it's been a while, and Richard's fate is so awesome. And why not see yeah. him come back? Him or him or Rob Benedict is stuck. Find out what. Uh, I'd love to see Chuck back too. I agree with that one. A few yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. them. I mean, there's still so much, so much to do there and say. I would love to see either either one of them back. And I love them. Awesome. With Gabriel, it's so weird weird because in Six State MTs, all the conventions, I never feel like Gabriel left. I feel like he's always still Mm -hmm. here. So sometimes I, you know, forget he's not on the show Mm -hmm. anymore. (laughs) So he is an angel. (laughs) Watching over us. Who would you like to see come back? That's not necessarily a good thing Supernatural. (laughs) Who, Who do you want to come back? I would want to see Bobby come back. Out of all the characters, Yay! either Bobby, I'd I say Bobby because he he was he was a very good like. I mean, he was just he like like he made this like um like he made most. I mean, like he made some of the episodes just because of him. You know, like uh, the weekend at Bobby's, like fantastic yeah. episode. Bobby and Rufus, they're still. I wish they'd have spun off Bobby and Rufus. I would watch oh. that show twenty four hours a day. <laughs> I would watch the hell out of that. <laughs> Well, yeah, Bobby needs to come back. I think he, I think he will, be, um, eventually. Well, keep our fingers crossed and send in those letters, yep. and maybe we can get him. <laughs> Alrighty, well, you guys have a good one. You thank thank you. Calling. Thank you for yep. calling. Yep. And, uh, thank you for taking Bye. the time. Well, you guys have a good evening. You too. Okay. And do you have another caller? Or oh, sorry, my dog's talking. Uh, oh, <laughs> hi, Lily. Hello, hello, caller. You're hi. on the air. Hi. 
Hi, this is Valerie. Hi, Valerie. Hi. Um, yeah. Um, about Crowley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I honestly think he still really cares because of all that um, demon blood in him. Um, I don't really think it really left him. And because um, right before he grabbed the blade, he says, "Obviously, you guys don't trust me, so I don't trust you." Because um, I've watched that episode a couple of times. Um, right before he left. So, I don't know if that's something you guys have thought about at all. Because um, oh. he says, um, I, so um, if that's something, because that has dawned on me quite a bit. Oh, yeah, he's, he's most definitely still a demon, but I want to know when he because. You know, he was he was feeling the effects of the blood for a long time, and then he start, he went cold turkey, and so he, I, you know he was pretending to be on their side for quite a bit of time. Is what I think he was doing, and trying to fool them, and that's what he was he was trying to get on their good side. And I also think because he specifically mentions in this episode that he was trying to find out who the rogue men of letters was for a long time because that would be his way into the bunker. Well, in this mm-hmm. episode, they brought Crowley out of the dungeon and let him hang out you know, in the main part of the bunker with them. So I'm wondering if that was a plan the whole time was to get more mm. access to the bunker. Well, um, Meg kind of, right before she left, um, Meg kind of turned also. Meg um, season, she started to help him out also. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering if Crowley is still kind of um, under the effects of the uh, human blood. Um, even though Meg didn't obviously go under the human blood, but having him be around the Winchesters maybe still kind of affected him a little bit. Because he obviously, when he went to go find that, um, air, you know, that rogue um, man of letters guy, he may have still been under the effects of the blood, even though he, because he, like you guys said, he was still trying to gain um, Sam's favor. And I still think he was sober at that point. Well, Benny, Benny is our resident Meg expert, so let's see what she says about that. I, okay. Number one, I have this big internal issue when it comes to Crowley and the similarities between him and Meg because on one hand, I love Crowley and I love Mark Shepard, but I feel like this current plot line, this current story should belong to Meg because it's the parallels between the two characters are just so strong, but with Meg, it came from a more organic place, and her, not only does she parallel Crowley, but she parallels Sam and Dean, and so, so it, it's really one of those things that's really hard for me to get into, because I, I get really, like, <laughs> almost angry about almost angry about it, because while I get that, you know, Rachel, for health reasons, couldn't continue the role she was not the original Meg so there was really no reason for the character to not continue 
Mm-hmm. And it would have been nice to have the second longest character continue to still be the second longest character or actually, you know, and still be, be an impact because I think it's just what I want. <laughs> Let's be real, it's what I want. Um, they uh, got rid of uh, Rachel because of health problems? Yes. Oh, really? Because I really has, liked her. Yeah, she has, and I don't think they got rid of her. I think yeah, they didn't get rid of her. Was, she's just she not just, working. She just oh, really? needed to not work. Yeah. Oh, they, you know, they didn't get rid of her. And focus on but her health. Just with her health issues, she needed to focus on it and, and, and Which I will, made that decision. Like I said, so. on, one hand, on one hand, I think Michelle and, you know, Robbie specifically, because Go Dark Stranger was his episode, gave her a fantastic write-off. They really closed the, the storyline for her well, full circle. She died for a cause, and she died for her unicorn. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so I think they did a great job with it. It just, I don't like it, uh, because I would like her to still be on the show in some capacity for a lot of reasons. You know, one, she's my favorite character. Two, I think she was a really well-developed character. And considering a lot of what we complain about in fandom is the lack of well-rounded, well-written female characters, we had that in Meg. And, Mm. you know, that's been replaced by a male character that really does, really does mirror her in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So I have... You know, I do have, I have issues with it, and I really, I think I'd have even more issues if I didn't like Mark so much. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought well, in Cage Heat, when, in the episode Cage Heat, when Meg was, you know, had, when Meg and Sam and Dean had Crowley caught, and she was, you know, torturing him, uh, doing that move with her hand, I love that. I the really, best torturers really never get their hands dirty. Ugh, one of my favorites. I really, really thought she was going to become the queen of hell. I thought it was going to be next. Mm-hmm. And I also, and, and part of me has that issue with Abaddon as well, because, again, I feel like a, a, a role that really should belong to Meg, that Meg earned, is usurped by a new character. And while I love seeing new characters, and I think Alana does a fantastic job, that bitterness is still there for me. I'm not even going to put because mm-hmm. I also feel like they've made... Uh, I'm going to reserve that statement for another podcast. We'll see how that goes. I'm going to not say what I was going to say, and we'll we'll wait on that. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it would have happened on Supernatural, us. so you know what? We could see the return of Meg because Abaddon looked pretty darn dead last week. Uh, <laughs> every every time I've ever mentioned so. it to anyone who could make it happen, I get I get very much shut shut down about it. So. Oh well. <laughs> Oh dear. Well, oh don't well. think I don't ask because I do. <laughs> I um, try to sound really flippant about it, but I'm serious every time. Yeah. Kind of like the response I got when I asked about Adam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. we don't think about him, so stop it. Yeah. Um, back back to this episode, and you talking about Crowley all of a sudden being allowed up and about in the bunker reminded me what's happening with. The, man, the Sinclair's mansion at the end of this episode. I mean, we see them jump from from Dean having just killed Sinclair to 
running back to the Impala and and another traumatizing scene for me is finding the car, you know, defiled by... by yeah, technically, doesn't it but now... Anyway, technically, it now belongs to Sam and Dean because Sam can get in and out. I was going to say, this is another fantastic resource. It's this huge mansion filled with incredible artifacts and antiquities collected by someone with probably not not a big conscience about what he bought mm-hmm. or gathered. And he talks Basically about a, Bella. a zoo. And I bet you, I bet you he and Bella had dealings more than exactly once. Exactly what I she worked for him, which I think would be awesome to find out that Bella got stuff. Now, not only do they have all the research and um, resources in the Men of Letters, they have all these objects, I and more research books. Uh, I saw lots yeah. of weapons. I mean, the first blade is there. And he talked about having a zoo. He was keeping vampires in a shapeshifter. Who knows what else? Who knows? And it also remind, yeah, and, and it also reminded me of them collecting the alphas from every monster. So I wonder yes. if there's any of those there, too. So that's that's fantastic. I hope they go back to that. So now, not only do they have the metal letters bunker, but they have an invisible house. I mean, for not having a home for eight years, the Winchesters are have a like a summer home and a winter home, and <laughs> this this incredible amount of of um, artifacts and research at their disposal. So it's, I think it's fantastic. I think it's opens up a lot of stories, a lot of possibilities like for hope, episodes. I'd like to hope that they don't forget about it. Mm. Um, but, you know, then there's that kid, Jesse, that we never speak of on the show, so there's that. Um, well, yeah, I, I mean, I hope but that, I, but again, this zoo is there and these creatures are there and they've been abandoned. And they can't and get they do come no back. doors, no windows. Yeah, what happens when they when Sam and Dean come back? Are they dead? Do they see, escape? Yeah. Do they all starve to death? Are they? Do they take over the zoo <laughs> and do their own? Do they grab all the, the weapons? Do they grab all the weapons? Do they mm-hmm. find something that Sinclair, you know, that something Sinclair has there that he that enables them to let themselves out? You know, because we I don't mean, know exactly how. Yeah. I don't think How so. did he eat? <laughs> did he need to eat? I mean, he had a soul. I would imagine he doesn't have a well. Anything? I would imagine he doesn't have a soul anymore. He didn't have a soul anymore. And per well, supernatural, you don't. If you don't have a soul, you don't eat or sleep. Well, he. You mm-hmm. know, I think he could just have things delivered because you know, like or conjure. He bought, yeah, he was buying things. You know, like he was able to get the first blade from that antiquities museum. You know, and. So, so he was obviously having things brought to him. So if he eats, you know, he probably, you know, he probably gets taken, you know, gets take out. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, um, he never said that he didn't leave. He just said, you know, it's cloaked and there's no windows or doors, but he never said he didn't right. leave. Right. Um, yeah. I'm sure he and, did venture out. And our caller uh, comes up. Thank you for calling. Uh, Area code eight one three. 
We appreciate you checking in and asking questions and listening. Um, and do you have another caller? Shall we go there? Sure. Okay. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Oh, they hung up too. Maybe they'll call back. So, yeah, I hope they don't let go of the whole mansion because that's a pretty amazing resource and place to take advantage of. I thought that it was interesting that they used the same house that they used. It was supposed to be Jared and Jen's house in French Mistake. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, as soon as as soon as they popped up in that hallway, I was like, I recognize that hallway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed the artwork on the walls. I mean, I saw everything from something that looked like higher on in the splash to me to to an altarpiece to is that the head of Medusa? Oh, yes, head yes. of Medusa, I think I saw. Yes. So again, very cool. I, I I just have to say my favorite line in the entire episode, it just cracked me up was when Dean said to Crowley when they were having his little intervention in the motel room when Dean said to Carly, you're just going to let hell go to hell? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> I, I liked Crowley snarling at Dean. You don't know what it's like to be human. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> but I loved, I loved how, like, almost lame that line was and then the way he, mm. like, explains it where it's like it's already a part of you you don't even notice it especially to Dean who's losing that self that part of himself so mm. yeah that was actually really really good yeah I like to probably reading Little Women because it has a Meg and it has a Joe yes I have the same thought <laughs> especially because the way the, the version of the book that they used or had mocked up for the episode I'm not sure which which was but it it does have the sub the subtitle of and it's Joe Meg and I was like oh <laughs> and we have to mention two actual favorite little women <laughs> we have to mention how great Snooky was in this episode Nicole I was say, Nicole she I <laughs> yes not she's not Snooky anymore she's Nicole <laughs> I Nicole. I thought she was great and she's so adorable she's so tiny and cute and I just love her hair and I just yeah, I thought I'm she was not great. Mistaken, if I'm not mistaken she's four eight four nine around there. So mm-hmm. adorable. So she's adorable. Not four, she's nine, like she'd fit in Jared's pocket. He could just put her right, right in Jared's right. pocket <laughs> and and oh. go. <laughs> but and I I have to say because I am actually a pretty big Jersey Shore fan. I don't care. Um, I loved Jersey Shore when it was on. I really, really did. And so I was actually super excited for this. <laughs> I wish you did it a little <laughs> bit more. But um, I, I can, thought I can confirm my, this because on Jersey Shore days, Vinny would tell me, "I'm so excited, Jersey Shore's on tonight." <laughs> yeah, it was it was sad. <laughs> Uh, Jersey Shore Marathon weekends, you really wouldn't hear from me. Yeah, it was it was a problem for like five years straight. But, yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I I, I, I think it was really the stars. 
and she was on Dancing with the Stars, and I was very pleasantly surprised at how how nice and sincere, and she worked really hard, and she was a very good dancer, and she got voted off way too soon, and I thought she was great in this episode. Do you feel like the fact that you knew she was going to be on, did it, like, ruin her cameo because it shocked Sam and Dean? Oh, God, no. Maybe so happy. It didn't bother me either. I thought it was great. No, and I have a twofold thing about it. It's about her. I think people need to kind of realize that, one, when Jersey Shore was airing, one, reality TV, put some huge air quotes around reality people. Come on now. Mm. And two, she mm. was super, super young. She still is young. How old is she? She's 27? I'm going to double check that. But mm-hmm. she's like five years younger than I am. Uh, she's 26, my bad, 26. Um, so she's very, very young. She's still very, very young. And for her to get a call from a show that she may or may not have heard of uh, and agree to fly to Vancouver for probably only one day mm basically poke fun at herself. Like, what a mm-hmm. sport. That's actually really, really, really cool of her to do. Yeah. And know? I thought she she's, was far and she's away a business better woman. than Paris yeah. Hilton. She's a businesswoman. She's a mom. She's very well known. She's got like 6 million followers on, on Twitter. She's busy. She wrote a book. So for her to say, okay, this show that has a third of the rate viewers that I have as Twitter followers, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, I'll go make fun of myself in Van- Vancouver in a small black dress in the middle of winter. Why not? That's mm-hmm. really cool. And Yeah. And speaking I mean, of live meetings, I loved her going, are we? I got to Google it. I got a thing. I love to Google it. And, oh, yeah, and then, oh, probably Google it. Can I go? That was that was wonderful. I thought she was way fun, and I felt actually kind of bad that Sam and Dean tricked her and exercised her. Anyway, so bad it made me wonder. It made me wonder. Okay, so in the supernatural universe, this whole time Snooki has been a crossroads demon. So now, what is Snooki supposed to be like now? Like, is she gonna like? Does she wake up and go? Like from total Jersey stereotype to like uh, upstate New York. Like, is she just right. a completely different person? <laughs> is she like a Harvard student now or something? You know? Yeah. Like, she's like, this is not what I wanted. Um, yeah. And she would totally freak out at her clothes <laughs> and her dress. And like, like God, why is my hair red? Why do I have a kid? Yeah. Um, but usually, yeah, no, that was my whole. That was my thing too. Like you, you again. The theme of trust in this episode. You can't trust a Winchester. You can't trust anyone. She was like, "Dude, we had a deal," and they're like, "Nope." Okay. So, um, but we we have a caller. <laughs> uh, so uh, we'll put them on the air. Yeah. Hello, caller. You are on the air. Hello. Just the radio. Hello. This, this is Lorraine. Uh, yeah, I loved I loved it when they you know when they went and they said that they were gonna, and she goes, 
you're really going to do that? And then, you know, I was thinking, once they they get rid of um, that demon out of her, are they going to drive her back to Jersey Shore or take her to a bus or something? You know, she's not in the middle of nowhere. Seriously, they can't just leave her there. I was wondering the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and then, and then you know, there are two guys, and she's little. I mean, she's not, mm. not a very big person. I don't know if I would trust these two big dudes to take <laughs> me somewhere. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah. That was what I was thinking the whole time. Yeah, funny. and one of them is like 6'5", and he's carrying a huge knife. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the other one looks mighty angry. So yeah, I, I'd be afraid if they suddenly <laughs> demon suddenly left me, and I go, "What the, what the hell?" Yeah. And in the middle of nowhere, there's uh, a cult graffiti on the floor, and two giant dudes are staring me down. Mhm. <laughs> Not good. Scary. <laughs> but um. My question is, is that did anybody notice when they, when uh, Crowley and them were out in in the uh, park and 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 Dean's blowing cold air rings out of his mouth at the end of the scene? And I I think they were planning and they could have cut it a little sh- uh, shorter than that, but they cut it long and you could see him doing it. And uh, I was like thinking, hmm, <laughs> something I didn't. They, I don't think they were planning on everybody getting to look at at the well, end of that scene. He's I done it before. He's done it. He's done it before on the show. I noticed yeah. it too, and it, it just reminded me back of the uh, episode. I think it was the one where the Reapers are all on vacation, um, and the little boy. It's when uh, I can't think of the yeah, name. Takes a holiday. It, Yes, just takes a holiday. Reapers on vacation, same thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when Sam and Dean are in the cemetery and they're trying to talk to the dead kid and it's cold and Dean's sitting on the gravestone and he does the same thing. He's blowing those cold circles. And I'm like, I love that because apparently it's obviously a Jensen thing, you know, because he does it. <laughs> You know, I, 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 I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that part, too. Although, at the very end, when I seen what they'd done to baby, I wanted to die. I was so upset. I was oh. like, I can't believe they did that to her. Oh, I know. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> Poor Dean, they're rubbing on it and spitting on it and trying to get it to go away. <laughs> <laughs> what I He's would so like traumatized. To know, <laughs> what I would like to know is, did they really scratch it into the car, or was that FX? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I don't think they would have damaged Baby like that. No. Even though they do have oh, a few no. of them, I don't think they would have done it, no. <laughs> Must be, you know, some kind of, you know, something. They, it may be something like some kind of marker or paint or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question to yeah. ask on Twitter. Ask Jim Michaels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny, but that, you know, to Dean, that's, that car is everything. I mean, the only one he wants to see harmed less is Sam, <laughs> you know. That, <laughs> and, 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 the, you know it, and he goes running and, 
and then he just like he's still staring at it at the end of the episode, and he just kind of flings his hands up in the air like he just he just can't believe it, and he just stays kneeling on the ground and bows his head like this is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. It was. It was. That was. You know. That was heartbreaking. I'll tell you. Mm. I do. I agree with you, girls, on the house thing. Though I hope that they. I mean, because it, the the blade wasn't there when they walked in, but then he said it was behind them. And I was, like, thinking to myself, okay, how many invisible things are in that room that you can't see? <laughs> mm. Yeah. Was it, was, was it not there, or did we just maybe not notice it? Because um, I'm actually on that scene right now, so I'm mm-hmm. going to I'm going to check and see if it wasn't there or maybe if we just didn't notice it. So I'll keep watching, and I'll, I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I wondered about that. Did he have some kind of warding on it or invisible spell where he just didn't let them see it until he was ready? Or, but he didn't know what they came for. Right? No. Okay. The first time we see Magnus, there, yep, it's behind him. You can see it. The first time we see ah. Magnus, he's putting ice in his drink, and the camera moves to where you can see Sam and Dean sitting on the couch. And if you look behind them, you can see it back there. So mm. they apparently just didn't notice it. It's just yeah. weird because that's what they came for. It it well, is. Aren't, they a, aren't the most observant at times. <laughs> and it oh. is in front of a bunch of swords. And so maybe they weren't exactly sure what it looked like. Maybe I don't know. Oh, well, I it says right I, in the Bible, it's the jawbone of an ass. <laughs> so that's pretty much what it looks like. So, oh well. And they had, and he had a unicorn skull. Yeah. Well, we already knew unicorns were real, so this is true. But well, uni- unicorns horns have so much power in them all by themselves. I mean, that's probably where he was drawing a lot of his power from. Could be. I didn't think of that. I would have liked, though, to get more into the warding and how he warded the, um, the bunker. I would have liked to have known more about that. Well, and it seems like... All the information is so readily in his file because that's how Sam got in that I would hope that they continue to research the, the, his file to find out more about their own home, basically. I wonder if Sam could maybe reverse the spell and make the bunker invisible now. Yeah. Well, that's what. Well, that's um, super creepy. Sinclair wanted to do, <laughs> and and that's another big thing. Sinclair was mentoring Henry Winchester. Henry would yeah. sneak yeah. in and see him after he was thrown out by all the other men of letters. That's very I interesting. That Not really surprising for a Winchester to be rebellious. 
surprised. Not at all surprising, but I did. It'll. I hope that comes up again as well. Mm-hmm. Well, another thing I would have liked to have them found when they were looking into that box would have been we we really don't know the scope of how big the, the bunker is. It would have been nice if they would have found a map in there of exactly what the <laughs> bunker looked like, you know? Yeah, that would have been cool, yes. too. But then they don't get to give us surprise, fancy new rooms. Well, that's sort of true, too. Surprise, we now have a gun range. Surprise, we now have a bowling yeah. alley. <laughs> <laughs> we have a dungeon. Finally. We have a kitchen. What else is in there? The garage. Oh, there was that whole medical thing, um, office thing there when Castiel and Sam were in there. There's all kinds of things. And apparently so sure Sam is in we're so glad we were Finally. able to see Sam's room this year. Not yes, that we've seen much in it. Not that we've seen much in it. I tell you, he's making the Death Star out of matchsticks. He's got a big <laughs> art and craft project going. Not that we would know. <laughs> I hope that they keep us keep us where we can actually watch um, Dean's room too, as he progresses with this, with um, the changes that are going on with him, that would be interesting to see if he undo- he undoes what he's done in the bunker. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see that you know once this is inevitably resolved, if he puts his room back to how it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it may be by the end of this he won't be in his room at all. Might be sleeping in a chair, sleeping in the couch. Maybe he won't be sleeping. None of that. None of that. No one needs that. (laughs) That's depressing. That's (laughs) depressing. You know, I was thinking about this, you know, our earlier caller when he asked us who we wanted to come back. I really, really hope they do bring Kane back. Oh, yeah. I, I theorize that he will come back because... It's set up within that episode that he's coming back because you have him say, "When you have, uh, when you okay. find the first slave, come back. All I ask that you come back and kill me with it." Mm-hmm. So yep. I think there's going to be, I think there's going to be probably some kind of more information on Cain and Abel at some point in the either the penultimate or the pre-penultimate episode. I would say twenty-one, mm-hmm. twenty-two, um, where they're going to have to get more information on Cain and Abel, probably directly from Cain, and have that final closure for, for Cain. Mm-hmm. I really <laughs> hope so. It's a theory. Just a theory. I hope so. If nothing else, then Tom, Tim Robinson can come back on our podcast and give me a chance to cry to him over psych ending. So. <laughs> <laughs> Again, another thing that we're not talking about. <sighs> I know. <laughs> If you don't say it out loud, it's not really happening. That's how reality works. <laughs> oh, but I'm watching the, the episodes, and it's next week, and I just don't know how I'm going to take it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Thank God for Netflix and DVDs. That's all I can say. True. All right. So, caller, um... 
Lorraine? Yes. Thank, yes, Lorraine, thank you. <laughs> Did you have any other questions or comments or anything? Mm, not at this moment. That was all I had to say. Okay. But thank you for letting me on. Of course. Thank, thank you, you for so calling. Thank you for calling. Thank you for listening. Oh, yes. Listen all the time. Pass it around oh, so that everybody knows you guys are on. <laughs> oh, thank oh, you. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. I'll let you go. You guys have a good night. You too. Yeah. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Um, Kavan, Kevin, I don't know. I have never known how to pronounce his name. Kevin, Kevin Smith, the actor who played. Yeah, I think uh, it's Kevin. Kevin Smith. Kevin. Okay. He's been in basically everything that's ever been filmed in Vancouver. And mm-hmm. yes. He was he was in a previous episode of Supernatural. He was in um, Doctor Benton. He was. Uh, I am terrible with titles tonight. Third season, Doc Benton. Um, oh, um, time is on. Nope. Time is on your side. Yeah, he was. He was a plastic surgeon guy. Killed early, right? In the yeah, first, yeah. like in the teaser. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Doc Benton yeah. got him right there. At the he, played, he played a very fun recurring character on on Stargate Atlantis. He played Lauren. He was and he was he was awesome on Eureka. He was um, Deputy Andy. He was a robot deputy. Yeah. He actually replaced Ty Olsen. Ty Olsen was the first um, Deputy Andy robot deputy guy, and he got replaced by Kevin Smith. So that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Yeah, he did a great job as, um, I almost called him Madison Sinclair. You can tell I was just (laughs) thinking of Mars. (laughs) (laughs) anyway he did a great job that's the whole other podcast (laughs) 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 oh it's so good to see them again um i thought he did a great job you know i thought everything his wardrobe you know he was still back in the 50s with his wardrobe but like when he called dean sports and sport and the bow tie. I love and that. He was, and he was so charmingly evil. Well, you know, that creepy, creepy, contained grossness of, of charming characters. Yeah. Just like yeah. he's so charming, you're at you're automatically like on on edge around him. Like the fact that yeah. Sandy were so like, oh, let's talk about this logically. I'm like, no, guys, no, no. <laughs> This like is definitely was, a shoot first, ask questions later kind of situation. But he yes, was trying to cut. talk. When he was trying to talk Dean into becoming a member, a part of his collection, and mm-hmm. I love when Dean said, "So you know, did any part of you feel creepy when you said that?" You know, because like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. And then he he cuts Sam's face, and he's so excited to plan all the torture he was going to do to Sam, and he was. He was very smart. He knew right away that whatever he did to Sam would be much more likely to have Dean do what he said. And he was just enjoying it way too much. Now, it was Crowley who 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 broke Dean's chain, correct? 
That's what yeah. I was thinking because I, Dean sees him and Charlie's working. Yeah. And doesn't Charlie kind of kind of confirm that uh, when they're running away and mm-hmm. he says, you know, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. It's just that I thought um, one of the recaps, I think it was Lynn's on Fangasm, had the, I had the possibility that it was Dean from the Mark of Cain breaking the chain. Mm-hmm. He was so I worried about, about Sam, which... I assume if it was some kind of Hulk outing, they would have shown it because they would want to set that up already. Or you, they would have had yeah. somebody comment on it. They wouldn't want to leave it that vague. I assumed it was Crowley because they mm-hmm. make it a point to show him lurking around in the background. Yeah, that's that's what I thought as well. I mean, I also thought I wa- Dean has just barely come to know the mark of Cain and pulled the blade for the first time, I don't know if he would even know to even try and break himself out of the chains if it would even work. And it might later on, it might in the future, it might have some further effect on him. But I Well, you know, when Jensen Jensen was on our podcast, he did, you know, mention that it was (laughs) kind of like a low-dose steroid, so... Yeah, Mm. when Jensen was on our podcast... Just drop that ever so casually. So when we were talking on the phone with yeah. Jensen Ackles. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. No, that's not, that was not remotely subtle. <laughs> but if you haven't listened to our podcast, please visit our archive to hear our, our podcast with Jensen Ackles. Yes, no, that's my that was you wonderful. Your, yeah, you had your plug, I have mine. <laughs> <laughs> and he was. He just wonderful. He was a real treat to listen to and he gave long, thoughtful, wonderful answers and we appreciate beyond imagination him agreeing to come on and spending so much time with us. It's almost an hour. Yeah, that, that Jensen and and if, you include, if you include the time we were chatting with him before the podcast started, he was uh, we did chat with him for about an hour. Yeah, yeah that was really, really, really great of him. You know, mm-hmm. I know he's not listening, but much appreciated. <laughs> so he's now we just pretty, need we just need Jared, so we have the trifecta. We're just missing right, Jared. Right. We've had Misha, right. we've had Jensen. Now we need Jared. So come on, Jared. Now we need Jared. Yep. <laughs> come on, Jared. <laughs> um, and I I like how Jensen, despite not really being into the whole podcast social media, Facebook, Twitter thing, wanted to know how many listens Misha had and what number to beat it was. So there's some fun Which Jensen, Jensen is doing really well because Misha's got a year and a half, almost to the day, year and a half mm-hmm. head start. And Jensen's already over 23,000. So, yes. For his so first podcast in Denver, he should, be, yeah, he should be quite proud of himself. Yes, definitely. Now we were um, before we started talking about Jensen on our podcast. <laughs> we were talking about um, Crowley. Um, yeah, it was Crowley who got Jensen, who got Dean loose uh, from the chains. I want to know how did Dean get put in the chains to begin with? Because he would not have let you know that. Uh, what to say? I do that. I that they were magical chains that just slipped out of nowhere. Okay, that would make sense. That 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 was my stand link of it. Uh, now I know he also had the spell to make Gene like lose lose the will to 
do anything. So I wonder if he put a little bit of that spell on Dean. I have to be honest, I'm a little confused about that spell. Because mm-hmm. it didn't really do anything. There's, no, and to me, there's a difference between losing your will and being mind-controllable. And I would mm-hmm. feel like someone of Sinclair's level of mage, I don't know, um, it's been a really long time since I've played uh, <laughs> Magic the Gathering, so my, my terminology is <laughs> a little shaky. Uh, I would think that he wouldn't have to have a, a spell to remove will. He could just go straight into mind control. There's a little mm-hmm. sketchy on what that spell really was about. Mm-hmm. Because then it didn't make sense with him to say that basically he could use torturing Sam to control Dean. Like, it just was weird to me. It didn't make total sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought him, him wanting, Dean, Dean wanting to be protective of Sam would actually work. The way it sounded to me about that spell that made Dean lose the will, he, had, he would have had to keep doing it for some time to totally get Dean to lose so much of his will he could start controlling him. It's like it would take more time than he needed because, of course, the minute he would start to hurt Sam, Dean would do whatever he wanted, so it would go more quickly that way. But that's my point. Like, I feel like um, a mage of his level would be able to just mm-hmm. use a straight mind control stuff. Right. Yeah, but he didn't, so... I, I don't know. Yeah, it's a little... It's a quibble. It's a quibble. And sorry about the noise. I'm also trying to bake chicken at the same time we're doing this. So sorry about that oven slam. Well, if we if we can look over Jensen making up his bed while talking to us, so, you know, I think we can we can look over you making chicken. So <laughs> Winchester Bros, where we discuss spells and domesticalities. <laughs> We are very well-rounded yes. here at Winchester Bros. Mm-hmm. And um, I, have, I just have to mention, I absolutely loved that it, how it was Sam who was able to get to Dean and get him to drop the first blade. Yes. I love that scene so much. I do, too. I do, too. Yeah, and the effects that they used on, like, Sam's voice in that moment. And it was really well done because it wasn't over the top by anybody, not by mm-hmm. the effects, not by... Not by Jared, not by Jensen, although somebody does have a gift of the lip quiver that Jensen has Dean do, and if you watch the gift on a loop, you can't tell when it starts or stops, and it's both comical and mesmerizing. So <laughs> anybody who's seen that knows what I'm talking about. It's, 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 uh, it's very, very funny. Okay, if we're yeah. gonna, you know, if we're gonna, if we're gonna talk about Jensen's lips, I have to go for it. Okay, this is the shallow part of the podcast now. Oh my God, Jared and Jensen look so good. I mean, I, <laughs> you know, normally, you know, we always have, you know, the Jared's hair moment to, to discuss his hair. I have to say, <laughs> Jensen's hair, Jensen's hair in this episode was perfect. I love when it's longer on top like that, and I just, mm-hmm. I love it. And, of course, never shave that beard. I love that beard. He must always have the beard from now on. No, the ginger beard of angst has to stay forever. Yes, yes. exactly. But, yes, but exactly. it was gone last week. Gone last week. Another reason to skip over Thin Man. I think it was right, gone right. last week. 
<laughs> no like it was beer. back again, and I loved it. But no if we're going to be shallow, yeah, if we're going to be shallow, I want to also be superficial. And how good did he look in the shirts? Every shirt they put him in this episode was on point. Chris, oh, my favorite shirt. My favorite shirt is the brown and mustard plaid. Going back to Night Shifter, that shirt. Um, I, yeah, I, that shirt's I everything. I love the suit that they were that um, Dean was wearing when they were talking to the woman in Antiquities and she's flirting with him. Oh, that, yes, Dr. McElroy. Suit. That suit yes. looks spectacular. And the shirt and the tie, gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, and I and then, loved her flirting with him, and I liked Dean. I love it's another thing. Um, Dean, Dean just likes women, you know, and they don't. It's not necessarily age, or sometimes even like being stereotypically pretty, or something no. you assume Dean would love, like a like a like a like a stripper. You know, he always, he loves his strippers too. But I mean, <laughs> this was a a you know, she was a woman of slightly older age. She was um, and cultured and, and attractive um, and yeah. intelligent and, and she was going for him and he was like he was a little bit surprised at first and then he just kinda of rolled with it. And I loved Sam like Sam was pretty normal this episode and he was just a, he was a little bit uncomfortable and then he also kind of was kind of fond of it too because here's his brother getting flirted at by this woman and he was kind of getting a kick out of it yeah. I, I think yeah. and I've read so some fun. really good was... meta over the yeah go ahead go ahead yeah. oh, I've read some really good meta over the years about Dean's taste in women that it tends to run much more personality and cerebral versus uh, physical appearance and because it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like Dean really seems to have a physical type he's just like mm-hmm. You're a, you're a woman and you can string sentences together really well and I dig that about you because you also mm-hmm. have actually it's the previous episode with and I can't remember the name of it oh my god well we meet Abaddon and we meet Henry that um, he flirts with that gothy punk girl mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so and it seems it, like he just it seems like whenever a woman is comfortable with herself then beings attracted to her and mm-hmm. I I always back in season one and Hookman when the librarian brings the box of stuff to the table, um, Sam and Dean, and she walks away and Dean, of course, turns around and admires her from behind, you know. And she's just, she's mm-hmm. a librarian, you know, and, and mm-hmm. she's, a, you know, slightly older than him. So, you know, I, I love that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also have to mention, mm-hmm. apparently Jared got a haircut for this episode. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of a trim up. It's a little bit shorter. It looks still as nice and long, which is a good thing. But it's definitely it's still trimmed. There will there will never be any hair that tops the first half of season eight. That that was the best hair ever in the history of the world. But it was gorgeous. Like, this hair did did look very very nice too. Of course. Mhm. Um, I was re-watching some, some season seven the other day to help uh, Carissa with her slideshow, and I hadn't really gone back to season seven, so I'd forgotten about the sideburns. And <laughs> wow, is it? Wow, is that jarring? Two days, two years later, I'm gonna tell you that right now. <laughs> that was. <laughs> I have forgotten. Yeah. Um, speaking of 
little little quibbly things. Why couldn't Sam or Dean translate "infamati et obliterati"? It's Latin. Oh, I mean, Dean is iffy, but Sam. <laughs> that irritated me. And why is Sam, who had to read Enochian, going, "What language? What is that language on your car? What is that?" You yeah. read Enochian. <laughs> oh, yeah, those two oh. things did upset me. I forgot about that. Because also, yeah. like, the thing with Latin is, as far as conjugation is difficult, in learning any Latin-based or any other language that's not your own, the conjugations are what are difficult. But obliterati, obliterate, it's really not a, it's not a brain twister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I could have figured yeah. that one out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, the only thing I can say about is Sam not recognizing Enochian uh, at the end is that, you know, scratching letters into, you know, the metal side of a car isn't conducive to writing clearly. And, I, you know, and then he just, you know, he kind of collapses against the car at the end. So I'm wondering maybe... Maybe he was more affected or something. I, I don't know. That's a reach. I know. I'm also, yeah, I'm also going to have to say, like, why are, why are demons writing notes to each other in Enochian? Why? I would have much preferred Latin, or if you really wanted to be badass, I would have gone with Aramaic. But whatever. And I also... That's just me. I also wonder if it actually was a message from Abaddon. I mean, we only have Crowley. Yeah. I was, it, yeah. it could have been Maybe it something wasn't. else entirely. Maybe it was an angel. Maybe it was an angel just trying to throw uh, a trail off or, or trying to, to bring up Abaddon and hurl thing and cause trouble. Maybe it was Neutron who wrote it. Maybe it was Gadriel. Yeah, who knows? But maybe maybe it was not. Um, I'm going to go with... Wrote. This is going to be a really uncharitable statement I'm about to make. So I'm going to go with the fact that this is the same writing duo who gave us Taxi Driver. Ergo, mm-hmm. I'm, going to chalk it up, I'm going to chalk it up to a cannon fail. Yeah. And that it is exactly what The people who made a backdoor to hell and everything's right around the corner. Okay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> because all they had to do in Taxi Driver, all they had to do was have one throwaway line that said, well, now that Dean's gotten out, it's made the it's made the veil between purgatory and earth so much flimsier. Boom! That's all we need. That's all we need. Yeah. Okay. I'm slightly more forgiving here because the rest of the episode actually was very very well done. So. Oh yeah. yeah. Like I said, that's step why step forward one step back. Oh yeah, that's why it's at the beginning. Very minor quibbles that I had with this episode. Very very minor. Yeah. I have another My question. Episode? Okay. At the beginning, when um, they're at the crossroads and they're calling on Snooky, since when did they need a demon spell or whatever it is that Sam is saying to call the crossroads mm-hmm. demon? Before, didn't they just bury the box and then, you know, Dean would holler, all right, come out, you bitch, or whatever, you know, and they would show up. <laughs> you know, Sam starts reciting something, and there she goes. And, you know, that was the first time we've seen that. Mm. 
Maybe that was one for, all right, bitch, come out now. <laughs> Maybe it was. <laughs> Again, my Latin conjugations are not that great, so for all I know, that's what he said. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it was. Maybe it was specifically Maybe. to call on the Snooky Demon. Who knows? So. That's true. <laughs> um, another odd moment, I mean, it's not that big a deal, but it was a little, it was a little bit odd to me is when um, um, the guards watching the vault in the uh, yes. place of antiquities and they're watching and they, I thought it was really cool having the smoke come in and be the demons but why why was that girl coming in girl. I see she brought them snacks but I thought she was pointless well, she's, yeah. a, she's a research assistant yeah she's a research assistant so clearly she does this a lot she brings them snacks often she gets along with them this is part of their routine I, but there was yeah. really no point there was really no point for her to be there, and no. it made it made me. The only thing I could think of was it was someone that they gave a part to or something. You know, I don't know because really there was well, no, no point I for thought that it was just. I thought it was just for like the again taxi driver. I'm going to remind yeah. you this. <laughs> Yeah, I was. I was. I think it was just for the unnecessary drama added. I guess all I could think of was that she just sort of represented a really innocent character. I mean, security guards—it's kind of their job to face danger, but she was an innocent bystander. I, mm, mm-hmm. I don't know. What I didn't quite understand was what was the need for them to specifically shoot each other and then shoot the camera like you're demons why was that necessary to create mystery about it yeah all they had to do was leave you know they didn't really necessarily have to kill the guys no and i mean you guys you know we can we can go yeah we can go with the idea that demons just want to kill because we learned from from del um that they just want to kill and sometimes they don't let them and it's really frustrating and sad but um Mm. i think that I think if you're going to have them specifically look into the camera, shoot the camera, and kind of set up that, that serial killer kind of vibe, yeah, you, they, have to, they, you have to back it up in some way. Back it up for me in some way because it just seems unnecessary. They should, yeah. I, I assume that, you know, they did it so the camera wouldn't catch them smoking out. But, you know, wouldn't the camera have caught them smoking in? That's exactly what I was about to say. Well, when they destroyed, well, no, because they show. I was going to say maybe it destroyed that feed, but yeah, no, the camera wasn't uh, knocked out until later. So yeah, the first part was shown. So unless there was a different angle for the camera where that part didn't show, but the other part would, I don't know. Do I have to say it again, though? Do I have to say it? No, again? I'll say it for you. Taxi driver. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, and we have a call. Hello, caller. You're on the air with the Radio. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, yes. Hi. <clears throat> Sorry, we did. This is Tracker Ann. I'm out here in the middle of West Texas. We've had dirt, and I sound like a toad, so apologies. Hi, Donna. How are you guys? Hi. Um, You're talking about um, the guards. 
And, you know, mm-hmm. the whole scene, I felt the very same way, except they just realized from the very first to the very end of the show, you know, Abaddon was trying to, you know, she's she's really got this thing going that she's wanting to one-up Crowley. So we know they're going to go to the, uh, we know they're going to go to the uh, Institute, right? We know that they'd eventually show up there to find the blade. But, you know, what she basically did was, show that, hey, I've been there, done that, and see you later, guys, I think. It was basically a message to Sam and Dean, you think? Yep, incredible. Oh, yeah. I can see that. That makes sense. It does. I I, I, I was assuming that Avedon wasn't on the, like, didn't realize that they were on the same trail as her, but no, yeah, that that makes sense. Because you're exactly right. It seemed like kind of a senseless scene, and uh, you know, I, you know that they have to play out the time, of course, um, you know, for what's going on. But um, I just, you know, Abaddon, I, and you know, I haven't really sat down and really thought the uh, episode out yet. But it just seemed like that, um, uh, you know, she's really, really trying to flex her muscles, and uh, and I. You know, it's going to be fun to see what happens between her and Crowley and the Winchesters. So, Very good point. I'm glad you called. Yeah, even though I can't talk. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. But I'm, no, yeah, it's not a bad thing, but I'm listening anyway. So there. (laughs) (laughs) We're glad you're listening. (laughs) I am. Hey, bless you, girl. See you later. Bye. 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 Thank you. It's so funny. I wave to everybody when we're talking on this podcast. You guys can't see me, but I'm waving. (laughs) I don't do it to everybody, but I do catch myself waving. (laughs) Especially when we say bye at the end. I'm like, bye. Like like anybody can see me. Like anybody (laughs) can Um, yes, you got yeah, it. Oh, that, is, that is a really good point. Yeah, because and, and now that she brings it up, you know, we do have the two instances of it being specifically said that Abaddon's getting ready to make her move. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, Abaddon is the kind of character. Okay. How do I phrase this? She's a very bohaha kind of bad guy. And so I, yeah, it makes sense for her to do the whole, I was already here, I'm a step ahead of you, catch up kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Lorraine says she's waving back at us. I'm waving at oh. you too, Lorraine. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, yeah, I can totally see Abaddon's the type of bad guy that's going to tell you her entire exposition and give you time to like stab her through the chest okay here's a question I had another question on a completely different demon subject okay so Crowley found out that Lola was going behind his back and talking to Abaddon how did he find out Aldo that she went and met at the warehouse could Aldo actually have been working for Crowley instead of Abaddon I assume yeah no I assume that Aldo was double agenting the same way Lola was double agenting. Because Crowley, okay. you know, you have um, Snooky, Nicole, 
specifically say that there are loyalists still. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, I, yeah, I just assumed that Aldo was like my king. And then my queen. So, yeah, yeah. 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 Can't trust demons. On either side. Can't trust um, Winchesters. Well, that's true, too. Um, another um, interesting character, I mean, he was there only briefly, but he was important, was Mr. Devlin, the broker for antiquities that Crowley figured out who had the first blade. And I love Crowley's red smoke. I just it never get old. Yes, it really doesn't. It's amazing. And then Mr. It's Devlin. so velvety. Which I, yeah, it is. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's very rich. It's like red velvet cake. <laughs> no. That's but, so true. I never thought about it that way, but yes, yes, it is. <laughs> um, I liked Mr. Devlin. He um, wasn't afraid of anybody or anything. And he, speaking of suits in this episode, he had the most gorgeous suit and beautiful paisley scarf. I love scarves. And I just I couldn't stop staring at that scarf and... And he was Mr. Devlin, and it just made me think, considering the writers, that it was just a little nod to devil, the devil. And it was a good plan. That was a great plan to get the information out of him, you know, have Carly possess him for a second, get it, and yeah, it was a great plan. Yeah, and he didn't even notice. I mean, it was like... No, No, I I like that. I like that. That's super creepy. Yeah, it was. And again, it comes yeah. down to again one of those things where Sam and Dean were trusting Crowley to tell them the truth. Yeah. So they kind of had the same objective, sort of. First blade, you know, Crowley wanted it, wanted Dean to get the mark of Cain, so they can kind of vaguely trust him at the time. Yeah, it sort seems of. like if if you look back at it all, basically Crowley's running the whole show. You know, Crowley mm-hmm. was the one who brought Dean to Kane and got Dean to get the mark. Crowley's the one who was able to get the information for him for where the, you know, for where the um, blade is. It's basically all of this is falling under Crowley's plan. Crowley's plan is working, whatever you know. So. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it, it it goes back to this seems to be a pattern for Sam and Dean because this is the same exact thing that happened in season six. This is true. So I don't know if it's more of a evolution of Crowley kind of thing or a wow, does Sam and Dean never learn kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you would think Sam and Dean would learn not to be so trusting. They yeah. can't even learn it. Never mind. I'm not even getting into it right now. <laughs> we'll save it for the season finale roundtable podcast. There you go. <laughs> oh, and, and, and another quibble. Um, at the end, Sam goes up to Dean and says, two feet away from Crowley, remember now that we have the blade? <laughs> <laughs> you said I wrote about that in my recap. I was like, when do we stage whisper? 
it's like he's behind you. <laughs> I, I have the same quibble on just about every single TV show ever. It's like you know they you know they can hear you right. You know that right. <laughs> I mean, you'd think Sam and Dean, brothers, hunters together for uh, years. They already do it. Just look at each other. They just look at each other. They can communicate how to fight and and strategy and everything else. So you can think maybe Sam could have just given Dean that look with the blade. We know that they have hand signals. We know that they have code phrases. Like, really, you don't have a code for Kill Crowley? Because that really should be in your top five. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's boy. They sure are pretty though, aren't they? Yeah. This is yeah, true. They are. Thank God. Lucky them. <laughs> yes. Sam and Dean are pretty. And I will say, like, I, I understand that your protagonists can't be perfect because it's boring yeah. and you can't get it. But when you have two protagonists that you that are so exceptionally smart do such exceptionally dumb things, it gets farcical. Mm. Well, you know, you know I, we can say it again. <laughs> well, <laughs> Becky, you want to take a that? turn this time? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I will say that we could blame it on that, but I think it's almost consistent this season, especially after last season, hammering in how smart both of them are to turn around and make them both so painfully dumb at times. Mm. And this is something I've complained about at length. The dumbing down of the Winchesters to bring up the ex-secondary character of the week. Yeah. It was um, it was what made me absolutely hate Bella even more because to to build her up as this super hunter collector, um, they used to make Sam and Dean look unbelievably stupid at what they did. So, but yeah, it's my it was my really issue nice. with Bella. It's my it was it became an issue for me with Charlie. Um, especially when you kind of delve into Mary Sue territory. Yes. Yep. Mm. I do this on other it's, shows, it's a very, too. It's a very fine, yeah, it's a very fine line. Mm. Um, Dean's the only one who can wield the burst blade, correct? I mean, obviously somebody yes. else can hold it, but he's the only one who can actually yeah, have his yeah, power. Right, like, that's why, that's why you, at the end scene you have Sam holding it, because it exerts no power over Sam. Okay. I thought so, but I said yeah, and I thought that was a nice continuity touch to have Sam carrying it. Good job. Mm-hmm. Yep, make, makes up for him, like, basically telling their, their plan to Crowley about how we're going to turn around and him. We're going to kill Crowley. <laughs> Nobody, Crowley. Never mind that Crowley's standing right behind me. <laughs> oh. um, I also like that you have Crowley magic the blade, like, push the boys against the Impala, and I like that for multiple reasons. One, because mm. it's a nice parlor trick. Two, because we're just, as we discussed, we're also shallow. 
Yeah, um, it's true. Yeah. Although, like my brother part. said, Jared doesn't have to have felt so stupid doing that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've had to feel really dumb. But well, I, I like that we have Crowley exerting his magical power that way and that he doesn't even bother to, like, bend down and get the blade. He just magics it to him. And I like that because, again, it reminds us that Crowley is a force to be reckoned with. Mm. Talking about feeling dumb when they're, you know, up against the car. I always feel sorry for that when people are being possessed or depossessed by demons because they're basically just standing there with their mouth wide open for a period mm-hmm. of time, you know, and they, they have, yeah. you know. How awkward. So it always yeah. makes me think about um, the blooper with Alona Tall where she has to scream and no exit as she goes, <coughs> Yeah, <laughs> because I imagine, I mean, that was just a regular scream she had to do. But I imagine, like, smoking out a demon would feel the same way, that you're just, like, prolonged. Ah, that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does look crazy. And then, like, um, Elena Hoffman, when she's being killed and burned, and she's, but there's no effect on her, so she's just sort of jumping and twirling <laughs> <Flailing> around. around. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, ah, acting, you know. <laughs> but but you have to commit. You know, you have to do that, or otherwise you look like you're just not really committing to ooh, the ooh, ooh. Well, the weird but, thing is, like, when I used to act, I don't remember feeling stupid, but clearly I had to have done stupid things. I guess you just <laughs> move on. <laughs> Speaking of demons yeah. possessing people and all that, I would like to find out if Sam has ever gotten his tattoo replaced or not. Yes, I would hope. They they should. You know, this would be a good Oh, I'm not holding my breath. You know, they, they could give us a good, you know, shirtless scene real quick, and that'll, you know, give us that information. I would be okay with that. I like <laughs> the way you think. Hey, you know, okay. it, it, you know, only for the show. You know, we we need to have that yes. information so we don't worry about Sam. That's the only reason. Right. I mean, yes. we don't want continuity. To to exactly. We don't want to have to assume that it's back without knowing for sure. Exactly. Yes. I mean, continuity, as far as we know, Sam, Sam is open. Until we know, you know, as far as we know, Sam is open for possession at any time. So, you know, they need to let us know that. Yes, we're very concerned. Yes, yes. <laughs> but they they need to they need to assuage our worries there, assuage our fears. Let us know. Give us that shirtless scene, and we'll be fine. We'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're ready. I don't want to oh. be hung up on the new show like that. I just want to know for sure so I can go. I can go on with it. Exactly. Yes, worry. Like concentrate. I can concentrate Science. on. Science. Who's going to be king or queen of hell? <laughs> and if you oh, want to maybe have a flashback episode where there's a magical tattoo parlor in one of the many rooms of the Men of Letters bunker and Dean <laughs> tattoos him, that's fine as well. I will accept that. <laughs> the Men of Letters bunker has a tattoo room. Of course it does. <laughs> of course it does. It would make total sense to me. I mean, I could totally see that. Along with the movie theater. You know it has a movie theater. It has to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And that bowling alley. I, I swear, I really want a bowling, bowling alley. alley. Yes. yes. So, um, I, I another not, funny I moment? Not... Go ahead. Yeah, another funny moment? I was just going to say I liked how Dean's caller ID for in, on Crowley's phone is not Moose. <laughs> I didn't <know. laughs> So I get I have listed in his phone as Moose and not Moose. Yes, my best friend. Love that. My best friend uh, Sue, one of my best friends. She, she, she was like, um, I demand you change me to not moose in your phone. I was like, if you think that I haven't already done that, you don't know me at all. <laughs> so she is. I was trying to figure out how I can change everybody to not moose and still know who it is. I'm like, everybody should be not moose for me. <laughs> not only. Because, like, it makes sense, but also I'm taller than everybody. So everybody to me is not Moose. I also it's demand true. that you all change me to Moose in your phone. Thank you. Okay. I'm working on it as you speak. You'll be Moose. Okay. <laughs> moose. You can be not Moose, too. Okay. Okay. You can go by letters, not Moose B, not Moose S, not well, mm. You can totally be not Moose B. Yes. <laughs> This is a plan developed. <laughs> yeah. Not moose. You know, it, it's like Spartacus, you know. <laughs> we are all not moose. <laughs> I'm not moose. I'm not moose. And, you know, moose is a mostly derogatory term for Sam by Crowley, though in this episode it's a little bit affectionate. affectionate. But it's even worse to be not moose because it's like super derogatory <laughs> from Crowley. Well, he's no, not he's even not. worth coming like, up with a nickname. He's just not Crowley moose. Crowley always calls him squirrel, but he's like, yeah, I didn't even bother to put you a squirrel in my phone. You're just not moose. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. They, there was squirrel mentioned a couple times in this. Yeah, which funny. I think is really interesting since you know, there has been discussion with us and with others, and now Jared has said it uh, at South by Southwest, that this is a parallel to season four, and that for all intents and purposes, Crowley is Ruby. Um, Mm. So you would think that Dean would have a priority for Crowley versus Sam being a priority, because that's his Ruby. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in this and episode, it was really, the parallel was really strong. You, know, you also have, you know, if you remember in season four where Sam was really jonesing and trying to get a hold of Ruby and she wasn't answering her phone. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm. So do you think, if we're going along with that parallel, Dean got a taste of how the power feels with the first place? Do you think we're going yes. to see him basically jonesing for that power again? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, good. Oh, that'll be good. That'll be good. I can't wait to yes. see that. Yeah. I have a complete mm-hmm. theory of how this is going to go. Give us your theory. Oh, no. I, I'm, I'm not talking about it. Oh. But I do I do have it in writing. <laughs> but um, I'm, sworn, I'm sworn to secrecy by the other person. But <laughs> you're such we're, a tease. We're, <laughs> I mean, it all culminates with the obvious, but it's the filler that I I think I have a, an idea of. But it culminates with 
much like Swan Song and Dean getting through to Sam, Sam's going to have to get through to Dean. Is this what you and Clarissa were hitting around on Twitter earlier? Yes. Uh, but we're so much more outlined than that. <laughs> I demand to be let in on the secret. I must know. <laughs> I, will, I will tell you later, but the, but the podcast has ears. Okay, <laughs> fine. This is true. <laughs> yeah. Email. Email. It's like, oh, but then it's in writing, and you can prove it. No. Uh, no, yeah, I'll tell you later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, I mean, that's given just storytelling in general, the, the foreshadowing we got in this episode with Sam researching King and Abel, um, you know, he's not researching the first blade. He's not researching Cain. He is researching Cain and Abel. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first given that brothers. Right. And given that it is just natural progression of storytelling and that we have multiple confirmed sources telling us this is a flip of the 4-5 arc. Mm-hmm. So naturally it is going to be. Now, how it's going to come about, that's where I have specific theories. Um, but it is going to end with Sam's going to have to put that sparkle in Dean's eye, so to speak. Are we? Yeah, well, are you? Are you thinking that we're finally going to get Sam able to save Dean finally? God, I this hope is what I'm so. Saying. I want that so badly. I because I, I want it because Sam wants it and needs it. He he says to Cass, he says, "Help me do one thing right in the church and sacrifice." He says, "I." In that whole episode, he says, I, I, I've, every time I've made the wrong decision, please let this be the right decision. Please let Sam save Dean. It'll you know, make up have, for so much. I would like to think that, you know, Jared has said that his problem with the Amelia storyline was that Sam didn't look for Dean at all, and, you know, he just, he wasn't really, he didn't feel that that was in character. And, you know, considering that's what begins Carver's reign of the show, is that moment, really. I would like to think that that ties into this. That it was planned from that long ago. He said he had a three-year plan. You know, I will also say that Kripke said he had a five-year plan, but, half, you know, halfway through three, he changed that plan anyway. So whatever, mm-hmm. showrunners, you, you just talk. But, <laughs> but he, he was able, to end, the, he was able to, to end the fifth year like he, want, like he had planned. So, yeah, although he had, he had either we get canceled mm-hmm. landed this way or we don't get canceled landed this way. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, so I was pretty excited to read his interview the other day and say how how you know for years he swore no angels on supernatural and then he read preacher my all-time favorite comic series ever and said realized that yeah angels don't have to be perfectly wonderful sweet little cherub guys that they can be jerks <laughs> they can be which bad is guys if you read the things. bible which is yeah which is one thing i've always liked the supernatural because if you read the bible that's legitimate. They're not fluffy little cherubs on clouds, which is... That's right. Well, like we say, they're warriors. Scary. 
They come they come mm-hmm. with a sword. So yeah. Um but I, I just loved him saying quoting preacher as a as an influence because it's my favorite comic. Yeah, there's ever. also uh, I can't remember the name of the book. Hold on. And I always thought Jared would make a perfect Jesse Custer, the main character. He is and Speaking of Eric Kripke, I do not want to wish bad on anybody, um, but Revolution, you know, pretty much taking Eric Kripke's time. I would love for Eric to be able to come back and at least write or direct an episode next year. Mm. I mean, you know, I don't. I'm not saying Revolution get canceled or anything, but if he could mm-hmm. just have the time to come back and write or direct an episode, oh, it would be <laughs> wonderful. I miss him. Oh, very cool. Me too. Um, there was the book I trying to remember. It's called The Monk, and it's um, it's from the late 18th century, and it's a it's one of the first like mainstream air quote mainstream Gothic novels. But I need I need for Eric Kripke to tell me that he read this book because there's so many things that he did in season four. I mean, down to the mark on. Dean's shoulder, that's from this book. So I need him to tell me that he read this book or at least watch the poor uh, film adaptation that's in French with really sketchy subtitles. I need him to tell me this. I would have gone to this L.A. chat just to ask him that if I could have. <laughs> but, yeah, if, if you guys ever get the chance to read The Monk, it's super disturbing, but it's really, really good. And it's... You, it's yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of borrowing from. Oh, what what did Joss Whedon say? There's a lot of homages to it. There's definitely some homages. <laughs> True. And I'm excited they're going to try and bring they are bringing Preacher to the screen on AMC. And if they can do Walking Dead, they can do Preacher. <laughs> Have you ever oh, read yeah. it? Because I highly highly recommend it. And it's just as crazy and out there and violent and everything else and horrific as The Walking Dead. But with the heart of a good guy. So, yeah, <laughs> love it. And, and speaking speaking of a five-year plan, five years, 60 issues, done. Beginning and didn't try and do more, didn't try and extend it, nothing. It's a great job. And it had a great ending. It's just right. So I will look into it. Yeah. So everybody has homework to go read. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Becky, do you have a do you have a book or graphic novel you would like to recommend to Phantom Tree? Uh, uh, mm, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I think no. Well, that's your homework to come up with for us to read. My favorite book of all time, I'm sure most have already read, is the whole Restaurant at the End of the Universe series. So, mm-hmm. I haven't read it. And Douglas Adams' other series that not as many people have read, the Dirk Gently series. Those are excellent as well. So if you've read The Restaurant of the Universe but have not read the Dirk Gently books, check out Dirk Gently. So there you go. There's my homework. (laughs) (laughs) 
Not supernatural related at all, but they're sci-fi. So. <laughs> um, well, have we discussed First Blade in its entirety? Any more comments? There is a new episode next week with, spoiler alert, Speak of the Devil, Henry Winchester, and Abaddon. And directorial debut of a Mr. Misha Collins. That's right. Just a little, uh, yes. just a little thing. Well, his supernatural directorial debut. This is yes. true. This is true. That's right. <laughs> um, and I, I swear, I'm always shocked when I see like this in episodes where you know they they killed an entire group of nuns, and now next week we've got demonic nuns. I, you know, I wouldn't want to like stand next to the supernatural like writers or anything because lightning is going <laughs> to come down and get them for. I I also have one of those, this is going way back to Bobby, but I have this superstition, I don't know where I picked this up from, that you never sit in a wheelchair because you're basically tempting fate, which is weird because I'm not like a fate-driven person, but I just have this total weirdness about wheelchairs, like you just don't sit in a wheelchair unless you need to. So every time an actor is in a, has to do something in a wheelchair, I'm like, oh, I hope you're okay. I hope nothing happens to you. But, yeah, so <laughs> that's how it is. So it's along the similar vein of that. I'm like, oh, don't stand too close. Now you all will be doing the podcast next weekend without me because I will be at a convention meeting Matt Smith and Karen Gillen. Woo-hoo, I have to, I have to brag about yes. that. <laughs> Nobody likes you. Nobody likes you. <laughs> because I tried to go to this convention with her. Here's the funny thing for anybody who cares. Um, I live in West Texas. I live in El Paso. She was in Kentucky. And I was trying to price out going to DC Con and to go to this con with her in Louisville. For me to go to DC in a month, it cost me like $350-ish dollars. For me to fly to Louisville, it's over seven hundred dollars. I do not understand how planes work. I don't get Isn't how gasoline weird? works. And, and I don't Lu- get it. Yeah. Louisville is yeah. halfway to DC. I mean, you know, so you would think it would exactly. cost half like the it could technically be a layover. I don't understand. Right. <laughs> well, I always think yeah. it's funny too. Like, if I wanted to fly anywhere east-ish. I usually end up at DFW with my layover, uh, almost always. Which, so like when we went to Nashville, my whole flight cost me like $400. But if I want to fly to just Dallas, again, we're back at $700. Yep. Like, can't Same. you just drop me off on the way to, to Nashville? Like, no, no, okay. <laughs> I, don't, I can't even understand it. <laughs> So this is why I'm bitter that she's going to this and I'm not. <laughs> Just weird. It is. I don't get planes either. I mean, they're flying. I can I can get my boss from South Florida to New York for two hundred bucks, but to fly him to another city in Florida, Tallahassee, which is just the north of Florida, was five hundred dollars. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't get it. Well, and I it's think it's insane. Uh, whatever. The funniest to me was I had a, uh, one of my really close friends went to college in Lubbock. And when she would come home to El Paso to visit, the flight that she would take 
would she board in Lubbock, fly and have a layover in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and then come back into El Paso. So she would mm-hmm. go backwards and then forwards. Yeah. And we never understood like, it. Back to the future. Well, if we're yep. talking about uh, planes and everything, it might be time to say goodnight. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> you know, not terribly supernatural so, here. Interesting, yes. but not supernatural. So we will see. Um, we will see you all next week for um, our discussion from Elizabeth Helper, and we will fawn all over Misha Collins' directing. Uh, what else is going on right now? Yes. Anything oh, T-Spring T-shirt. Yeah, College of oh, Winchester. Yeah. Teespring.com/slash/WinchesterBros. We've got a limited edition Winchester Bros. T-shirt. It's only available for one more week. If we don't sell the 250, none will sell. So we have to sell 250. So if you're interested in the shirt, tell all your friends. And you know, so <laughs> and yeah, it, it looks like our it looks like our banner for our website, and that's um, it's made by the amazing uh, Freakster on Twitter. She's awesome. Yeah, but you know, mm-hmm. semi-original art because <laughs> it's not, you know, it's a depiction, <laughs> it's a depiction of characters that already exist, but it is original artwork. So, yeah. And, oh, Supernatural Design Contest. Um, mm-hmm. Our the, submissions. The yeah. social media showdown thing between Misha and Jared. So go over there and vote for whichever one is your favorite. Or yep, just switch off one, vote for one, then the other, then the other, then the other. It's, it's all kinds of fun. <laughs> it's just a, just a tip yeah, of the hat to March Madness basketball. It's just for fun, and uh, the only one you really, if you you don't have to worry about winning, is probably the Norman Reedus versus uh, Nina Dobrev because he's beating her like ninety five percent. Wow, he just I, I didn't know. I really thought Nina Dobrev would be doing better. <laughs> I, I, I did too. I, I really of, did, but it's like, wow, I, nobody's voting uh, for Nina. Norman, Norman Reedus is like Elvis Presley or something now. I've been to two <laughs> conventions that he's at, and oh my God, it's insane. You have not, I mean, you thought, you know, I thought, you know, back in the spike dates of James Marshers at conventions and Jared and Jensen at Supernatural, no, they're nothing compared to people seeing Norman Reedus at conventions. It's crazy. Well, and I, I get wow. it because Norman Reedus, you know, going back to Boondock Saints, totally loves him. But he has like 90, over 90% of the votes for this. And I was like, wow, really? Wow. Yeah. So, yes. And, and um, you know, whichever one of our, uh, if it's Misha or Jared, and one of them have to go up against Norman, It'll be interesting. <laughs> it will be interesting. Yeah. Yes, it will. And I do, I do have to say that despite the fact that Orlando Jones has embraced our fandom, uh, I, I got to go with Dewey Hill on this one. Sorry, guys. Spike. Yes. I got to. Got to um. vote for guys. Got to vote for guys. Yeah. Well, I'll represent for Orlando because I don't want to know. So, <laughs> <laughs> Why don't even me. know no. you? No, no, you, you, you're you're dead to me now. You're dead to me. Oh, <laughs> I will be back to haunt you all. <laughs> no, we're gonna do to you what Becky did to me, where she was like, "You're gonna watch Veronica Mars." Here, I bought you Veronica Mars. 
Okay. All right. So on that note, we're going to say our good night. And thank you to all of our callers and all of our listeners. Yep. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. Um, Come back and uh, listen to all our podcasts. You can find links on winchesterbros.com, our site. Always check us on Twitter and Facebook. We're Winchester Bros in both those places. Um, And you can listen to our podcast with Jensen Ackles. It's pretty awesome. (laughs) Along with all the others. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. Good night, everyone. Thank you.